Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. And I'm one of the other hosts. My name is Nick Gambarian. Hey. No Ryan again. No Ryan. He's going to get fired soon. His computer was sick last week. He's sick this week. Yeah. What's next? Likely story. <laughs> now, Ryan, uh, he got his booster and his body's not taking it well, so... I don't think this is the week to make a joke about him dying, so I'll skip that. Um, but we we have a guest. We have a special guest, host of another Star Wars podcast, a person who apparently knows more about Star Wars than cast members of Star Wars who claim to know the most about Star Wars. <laughs> we'll get into the long list of who you are and what you do after I say your name and you say hello. It's Ken Knapsack. Hello. Hello. Hello, friends. Hey. Uh, this is a great. Uh, yeah, I don't know as much anymore as I used to, but yes. <laughs> it's been fun. Very humble of you. That's what happens. I'm starting to get to that uh, point in my life where I'm like, if I learn new things, it just means other things are leaving my brain. <laughs> one in, one out, dude. I always say I'm like a club at capacity. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, Ken, you are the co-host and I guess co-founder of Force Center Podcast. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Scribshaw, Jennifer Land and I, it's been about six years. We just crossed a thousand plus episodes and uh, Damn, that's great. Uh, apparently still Star Wars to talk about, you know, what a great <laughs> time to be a Star Wars fan, as I always say. Yeah. We are fully entering a new golden age of Star Wars as far as I'm concerned. I, I think you're right. Next year. Next year. Cannot wait. You're also, you're an author, which is relevant to this episode and why you're really here, but you're also a lot of other things. You're a stand-up comic. You're a host of a radio show called Pop Rock and Radio. You are, I alluded to this earlier, the movie trivia Schmodown's first ever Star Wars trivia champion, and you defeated none other than Sam Witwer, voice of Darth Maul. Uh, I did, yeah. Uh, I, I always want to point out there were others in the room. He fumbled. He had a, he had a straight line to the end zone, and he fumbled, and I and I jumped on the ball and took it. And uh, uh, later on, he did defeat me. But yeah, it's 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 a weird little footnote on uh, the crazy little uh, thing I like to co- try to call a career out here. But a lot of fun. It, ju- <laughs> it was ju- it was justification for years of growing up in the '80s and just being uh, spat upon on by society for knowing too much Star Wars. <laughs> It's amazing. It's uh, definitely like for someone like you who just continued to like it through the dark ages of Star Wars. And like, you know, I feel like people like probably like Adam and I got distracted by fully committing to being musicians. People like you, we have to thank for really carrying the torch all those dark years, you know, and like really honestly keeping Star Wars relevant to the point of it getting sold, you know, like I really I really do believe that is that it was still an entity when it got sold because of people like you and just people who continued to love it. Uh, look, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> thanks. I don't do much other than just be myself, but I, I still have, feel the same about uh, prequel generation fans and mm-hmm. the passion that they have for those films. Uh, EU fans, I'm not a huge EU fan, never really was, but mm-hmm. they carried that flame for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely, uh, I, I, you know, we're, we're still here because there's still more Star Wars to tell. So did you read EU and not like it or did you just never get into it? 
I I do have a special place in my heart for the Air of the Empire trilogy. I mm-hmm. don't think they stand up for me as much as Star Wars stories. Zahn is a very sci-fi heavy writer, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff in those that I don't love. Uh, his concepts of the Force don't align with Lucas on some things for me, mm-hmm. but that's just for me. But by the by, the Jedi Academy trilogy by Kevin J. Anderson, again, not bad at all. I just it mm-hmm. it wasn't hitting me. Yeah. Uh, and I just decided to to focus on other areas of Star Wars, which is mm-hmm. right. Star Wars even now is so big; it's a salad bar. If you don't yeah. if you don't like the tacos, get the chicken nuggets, and <laughs> yeah. you're fine. Dude, you are perfectly segueing into this week's topic, which brings me to the last in, in your long list of accomplishments and and credits. You are the author of a book called Why We Love Star Wars. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, first of all, uh, you know, thank you for being very complimentary about all the things I've done. I really only wanted to be a rock star growing up. So <laughs> you all concentrate on music. I'm looking at you with uh, stars in my eyes. Uh, yeah, I know I had, a, I had a great opportunity in 2018 to write a book for Mango Publishing called Why We Love Star Wars, The Great Moments We Built the Galaxy Far, Far Away. It's still out there. It's released in 2019. And uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Just a, a crazy. It's, it's 100 essays on what I call like my 100 favorite scenes in Star Wars. That changes daily. I mean, quite frankly, like, I mean, even the ranking on movies, movies will change daily. But um, yeah. it's 100 essays on what I consider my personal uh, journey through Star Wars. But I hope and, and believe it's a, a shared journey. I call it the unique, unique shared journey that we all have as Star Wars fans, where you feel you're alone. You know, maybe you're on the road touring with a band and you think, I'm the only one that loves this <laughs> part of Star Wars. And then you meet someone else who's like, you love Wedge too? Oh, my God, I love Wedge. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's kind of the joy and magic behind a lot of it. Yeah. So this this worked out really well. I've been thinking about doing an episode like this for a while. The idea of this episode is trying to answer the question, why do we care so much? Not necessarily why do we love Star Wars, but why do we care so much? Why are we so passionate about whether something's canon or not? Whether um, someone's a prequel fan or a sequel fan or who owns the thing, whether or not Lucas wrote it, whether or not he had it all planned out from the beginning, all the stuff we've actually been talking about the past few weeks, it's always really gotten to me because I've always been the kind of person who, who loves it all and is just happy to talk to anyone else who also loves Star Wars. I've never been a gatekeeper in, in that sense, and that's very much kind of the mindset of our podcast and sort of our mission statement is to just be all positivity. So I find myself thinking all the time, why the f*** do you care so much when I'm reading a comment? Why is this life or death to you? So that's kind of the idea here. And then Nick brought up you as, as a potential guest just a few days ago. And we were like, damn, that's perfect. Here's the person to bring in on this. So before we get into the nitty gritty of who hates what and why, let's each maybe just give a, a brief why we love Star Wars, what attracted us to it initially in our lives and what continues to keep us here attached and being the kind of people who have podcasts about this fake universe. (laughs) I'll start it off here. And I've said it to certain degrees over the past over a year that we've been doing this podcast. And it's almost like two phases for me where it was fully based off of playing with toys when I was growing up. I was an only child until I was nine, just me and my dad, me and my mom, whatever. I was a spoiled brat. Like I would get every single kind of toy there was, play with them, I would have my dad chase me down the hallway like a, like I was Han Solo and he was a stormtrooper, you know, like acting out specific <laughs> scenes. So it really is just like it was like a familial thing. And it's not that they, my mom and dad brought it into the house. It was them reacting to me enjoying something. And to me, it's always about and life is the older I get trying to find those like pockets of joy because not all of life is 
happy or joyful or pleasant. So it's, it's kind of trying to lean into all those moments that used to make you happy. And obviously you're an adult now, so you have to, um, I don't know, I try to have a sense of maturity about it. You know, like I'm not trying to be a child. I'm trying to be an adult who enjoys Star Wars, but also collects Star Wars figures. But to me, like it was something that sparked my imagination and creativity early and I didn't even know it was doing that. So now as an adult, I look back on it and really feel lucky that I had something like that, that I reacted positively to something like that. And you don't know the scale of it when you're a kid. So I had no idea how big of a thing Star Wars was when I was a child. And then the older you get, you see how ubiquitous it is in the entire world, which is great. So, you know, when I, when I first joined my band in about 2004 or so, Revenge of the Sith was about to come out. And, uh, you know, that was that was an event for us on tour, basically, you know, like for us to see that final movie at that time. And uh, I think I got a sense of how big it was and how much it meant to people then, you know, just for the whole prequel, even opening night of Phantom Menace. It was just such a sense of community. And honestly, I didn't feel that sense of community again until I kind of, until I moved out here about five years ago and started to get more into conventions and collecting and just meeting people through the internet and just finding what was the community of Star Wars, whether it was cosplaying, costuming, collecting, podcasting, whatever it was. I've met so many people, including Ken, through that. And, uh, and that's ultimately what brings me to it now and keeps me here now is really just a love of community based around Star Wars. And it's ever growing, thankfully, because of Disney and everyone could have their qualms about things they like about the Disney era or whatever. But the best thing about it is that there's just so much of it. And honestly, I want there to be more. <laughs> so yeah. we have more to talk about. But yeah, I mean, overall, I think it was early on in my life was a sense of creativity. And then later in my life, it's a sense of community for sure. Ken, how about you? Look, for me, it's like I, I love studying entry points into Star Wars and the different generations. Star Wars, it's a very, uh, it's a generational tale that's often about change and passing things on to the next generation. That's one of the themes that constantly comes up in Star Wars and, and how you struggle with that or how you succeed under that, uh, under, uh, you know, with that challenge is, is often determined some of your choices and, and where you go in Star Wars. So uh, because of that, I'm fascinated where everyone gets to Star Wars. And for me, it was a seven-year-old kid in 1983, saw, uh, had seen New Hope, in at one in the drive-in i didn't connect with that i thought a battlestar galactica was star wars you know it mm -hmm. wasn't until uh return of the jedi in 1983 that i came out of the theater just totally pulled into that world and we all are drawn to certain things i have a friend who his entire life uh is based around his love of ghostbusters because where it found him as, as a youngster who was a, a nerd who really loved science and, and and there were scientists being cool in ghostbusters he went to that other people went to marvel i went to star wars and I can tell you all about the themes now. I can talk about how I carry it into my uh, adult life and why I really just absolutely love this entire world. The canon stuff, the pew, 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 all that stuff was there. But I go back to the moment coming out of the theater uh, in San Luis Obispo, California, 1983, driving home, looking up into the stars and just thinking, what is out there? This world, there's this world bigger than I can comprehend. That's the genius of the twin suns moment, the binary sunset. Mm. It's all of us staring out into our futures and wondering if we belong. Luke looks down, he looks back up he looks back down looks back up he wants it he feels he can't and but he's still going to look up and i think uh, th that was seven but then later on when i graduated high school uh i remember driving away 
playing uh, the Beatles, Baby, You're a Rich Man. Now that you know who you are, what are you going to be? That was playing, and I was thinking about the twin sun, uh, the sunset, the binary sunset, wondering where, what's my place in this world. And Star Wars is always there with me for that. So it's become very inspirational. I think that's George's, George's intention is don't take the movie seriously. Take the big questions that I raise in it because they're about all of us facing the uh, 12, facing the world, and you can continue to carry those, those things with you, those lessons with you. That's what pulls me in now. Not even thinking about it, that's what pulled me in then. It was also lightsabers and starships <laughs> and, and this and that. And, you know, Leia was a big influence on my life. Uh, I'm a Han guy. I wanted to be Han because there's no way a nerd like me could be Han. <laughs> All that was there. But at the end of the day, staring up into the stars coming out of that movie theater, that's what kept me coming back, wondering what is out there for me. And this movie made me think about that. For me, it was for sure a lot of what you just closed with, the wonder and I get this from science too. I mean, science was my first passion as a kid. It started with dinosaurs like every little kid, but <laughs> that was my first passion before music. That led me, of course, to sci-fi. And my dad was very into sci-fi. So I was always drawn to it. And when you combine the classic hero's journey, which I've always been a sucker for, the Matrix changed my life when I saw that in 99. Movies like that, stories like that through history, that hero's journey is so appealing. And when you combine that with sci-fi and these kind of fantasy elements, that's a recipe for me to just obsess until I'm dead over it, you know? So that, and also the adventure element of it, like I saw Dune, you know, the day it came out and it was incredible. But what I was thinking to myself was, oh, this is like Star Wars minus all the adventure and fun, you know, <laughs> that adventure and fun, you know, you know, being born in 79, seeing Indiana Jones and movies like that early on, you just want to go do that. You do, I just wanted to be these people and the idea of a, another universe, these powers that you can unlock by just pure focus and effort. We found out later that you have to be born with midichlorians to make this happen. But in my head as a kid, so I could just like concentrate hard enough that that, that pen could just jump to my hand. You know, that kind of thing was so powerful to me. And also the kind of mysterious ritual nature of the Jedi, especially, you know, being something that was once that my, my imagination just ran wild. And I was a I was a Catholic kid, so the OCD part of my brain, I, I had this weird nostalgia for the ritual of it. You know, I get really into shit like that. Mm -hmm. So this appealed to me in that sense. And I, as an adult now, I'm not a religious person, so Star Wars, in in a sense, has become my religion. I study it like like it's theology. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I want to know everything about this and the way we talk about it and interpret it. It fills that void in my life that we have as humans that. We need something mystical kind of in a way, you know? And then I found community in it, just like Nick's saying, realizing, I, I realized this very vividly recently. It hit me like, oh, I'm not into music culture at all. I'm a professional musician, but I'm not at all into music culture. I don't get stoked about new bands. I don't obsess over artists. I'm not like super into the history of music. Star Wars fills all of those boxes in my life. And it's just as magical now as it's ever been to me. So here we are on a podcast. It's great. I have two radio shows for you to listen to. Adam, if, you, <laughs> if you need to find some new bands. <laughs> this thing called the radio radio show. Then some yeah. new bands you come your way. I mean, I get stoked on new music when I find something that I like, but I'm not like, I don't seek it, yeah. I guess. Exactly. And there's also something completely demystifying about being a professional musician. You realize we're all just a bunch of people. Oh, totally. And we're all acting to some degree when we're on stage, when we're mm -hmm. in front of a camera, when, you know. And I, I would rather obsess over something that is pure fantasy that completely doesn't exist and treat it like real life 
rather than sort of obsess over a person who will be a star in one moment and a cranky asshole who just wants their Starbucks who's wearing sweatpants and flip-flops the next moment, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just something too. Also, we all know that Star Wars is fake. So ultimately yeah. the, the ceiling is what it is, you know, and it's yeah. not actual religion where people believe that it's, you know, they're faithful, they're real, you know, and, right. and the same thing with music where you don't see behind the curtain a lot of the times. So and when you do, it's probably usually not great, you know? So yeah. at least the, the ceiling for Star Wars is it's like, yeah, we're just talking about entertainment here. So we can yeah. calm down ultimately, which is what I wish half of the internet would do when they come to <laughs> talk about Star Wars. Well, let's talk about that now. That's why we're here. We're trying to figure out we're not going to come up with an answer. Maybe we'll have some <laughs> half answers, but why do we care so much? Why do we care so much? And why do other people care so much that they have to fight about this thing that we all love? Can we just all agree to love it? Apparently not. So <laughs> one thing that I continuously point out, if I get into it, if I get sucked in and I start getting involved in comments, which I shouldn't, but I do, I point out the fact that all of the sequel haters right now who are the millennial prequel fans, they seem to not yet realize that they're doing exactly what boomers and people around our age did to them mm. when they were kids, when they loved the prequels. The original trilogy fans hate the prequels. I'm, I'm generalizing here. Mm -hmm. Original trilogy fans weren't into the prequels, so they trash them. Prequel fans aren't into the sequels, so they trash those. Same thing with uh, EU fans. They hate on the sequels for what they, they feel is like blasphemy. So they in turn then hate what Disney has done. They hate Kathleen Kennedy. They say terrible things about her and the whole thing. And it's just all this gatekeeping is just, it's not good for anybody. Yeah. You, you, you know, what is such low hanging fruit, which we really never had was at least George did the prequels. So people kind of, you know, they didn't, they didn't like them and they're disappointed, but thank the maker, you know, George Lucas could do no wrong, even though he was only batting 500, you know, he's batting 50% right. and whatever. But now there's low hanging fruit like Disney and Kathleen Kennedy to, to be like, see, George shouldn't have sold it. He, everything was fine. It's like, no, you were complaining about the prequels too. So now yeah. there's, there's targets, which is the first issue for some of these people. Yeah. I, you guys have said some wonderful stuff that I really agree with here. And it, it, it's something that's, uh, if you're in the Star Wars punditry, punditry game, as, as we are right now doing a podcast talking about Star Wars, like we've been facing a lot of it in the last few years. Uh, but it's also old, old, old hat, right? Empire Strikes Back comes out and a lot of people are upset about it. Return mm -hmm. of the Jedi comes out and how dare the, the, Boba Fett. I waited three years to find the fate of Boba Fett and, mm -hmm. and you did this. And even Gary Kurtz separating from George a bit. And, and there's some history in the fandoms. Uh, uh, my pal of mine, Matt Key, does most of his work in the, in the superhero world of just tracking Batman through the ages. And it was first kind of a more dark, gritty character. Then it became the comics code forced it to go this way. And each generation of fan holds on to what is theirs. Star Wars, one of the big lessons is letting go. That's the Jedi, right? Uh, uh, one of my favorite things about Rise of Skywalker is Palpatine coming back. I don't care how he came back. The point <laughs> yeah. is he came back and the theme was the Sith don't let go. That's the what they do. The dark side destroys. It holds on to power. It refuses to change. What's the big thing of Anakin's challenge in the prequels? You can't fight the change, Anakin, says his mother. So that's the struggle in all of us. And I see it in fans. Every generation wanting to hold on is is not uh, giving up what is theirs. It's not accepting the next side. Uh, Luke in the Rise of Skywalker novel continues to tell Leia all through the novel, it's time to let go. It's mm -hmm. time to let go. And I think fans struggle with that. And I was 22 when Phantom Menace came out, and I was excited and waited in line for the toys, saw that movie eight times, and know it. I secretly loved it, but I told everyone I didn't like it because I yeah. didn't want to let go of what was mine. <laughs> 
And that's yeah. so much a repeating thing. And that's where a lot of this starts for me. If you can kind of uh, center yourself a little bit and let go of some of the things, the joy will start pouring in. Doesn't mean everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I wish they didn't have a different line than uh, somehow Palpatine came back. Yeah. But what is in those stories and when you engage with those stories as they're presented to you, that's where I think a good, a good starting point. It's hard to say what's right, hard to say what's wrong. I don't want to ever finger wag at people. But then, then it gets into, and I don't, I'm, I'm not going to mind. <laughs> Sorry, boys. You all caught me uh, in a week where I'm just so tired of the Kathleen Kennedy narratives. There are these false narratives people hold on to. Mm-hmm. They've, they've never been in the meetings. They don't know really what's going on. We now have unparalleled access to behind-the-scenes stories that five, ten years, uh, you know, these last five, ten years have become a cottage industry to just get clicks and money off of this. We didn't know Gary Kurtz and George Lucas were fighting. Yeah. We right. didn't know that growing up. We didn't know that. And I'm sure Return of the Jedi comes out. Would have asked, see, uh, Gary, fire George. Gary Kurtz is right. We didn't deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we only saw what was on the screen. Either you connected with it or you didn't. And I think that's one of the things, too, and Nick, you're right, to bring that up. I'm just, oh, the, the, the false narratives people hide behind now. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, like you just said, too, it's, it's, it's an industry. And how can you stop an actual industry of false, you know, entertainment news, rumors? Because there, there's just something about the Internet and more than half of the Internet. They don't check back on the headline they read. It's just a new headline the next day. They don't follow up, you know, and uh, quick story. We Bayside played an April Fool's joke probably 10 years ago at this point saying that we were getting sued by a prepaid phone card company because we stole their logo. And it was an April Fool's joke. Everyone flipped out, didn't not realizing it's April 1st, you know, sure. the very next day we're like, hey, it was April Fool's, you know, whatever. Still to this day, people are like, how come you still have that same logo? I thought it got, you know, <laughs> I thought you got sued. So it just shows that people just don't check back. They only hear that one headline. They probably don't even read further. And then it just becomes truth to them in a, in a certain way. And, you know, like that's where this absolute nonsense going on constantly about Kathleen Kennedy is just like it's that must be all fabricated because if there was an out for her recently, she would have been gone whether or not it was her choice or not. Instead, she's signed an extension. <laughs> so it's like it had to have all been somewhat fabricated or at least like. If there was a little bit of smoke, someone turned it into a forest fire, you know, like just to get a click or something like that. Yeah. So it, it none of that is based in what we're talking about here of Star Wars yeah. love. It's it's based in getting clicks and news and yeah. those people couldn't care less. If they cared about Star Wars, they wouldn't want to be doing that sort of thing, you know. One of the things, if I can tag on that, uh, Nick, is, is this, uh, we're, we're kind of, you know, referencing the, what I call the angry car guys of YouTube or people selling things. And then it, it does filter down. You're right. The people you said who don't check back. I've had very normal friends of mine who don't live online, don't live online with Star Wars, who hear some things. And if they see something in a movie that eh, maybe doesn't sit well, or maybe they need to investigate a little bit more what they feel about this moment in the movie, they immediately go, well, I hear they had director problems. <laughs> like that has nothing to do with it. What do you feel about that moment? And then they stop at that door and don't allow themselves to investigate it any further. And again, mm-hmm. some are just casual Star Wars fans. It doesn't, whatever, yeah. it doesn't bother. But mm-hmm. these are the ones who are wearing the shirts and wearing this and I love it. I don't like this. And it's like, you might not. But if, if your answer is, well, I heard uh, the director problems didn't really factor into it. Engage with what is there for you. And that's part of the problem too. Mm-hmm. Dude, and I would guess that the, the kind of, call it fake news, I guess, about Kathleen Kennedy being potentially out, that has to come from somebody who's within the sphere of Lucasfilm. Or Disney, you know, maybe not liking her, saying, dude, she's probably going to be out, you know, next year or whatever. And then someone runs with that and then it snowballs. It could be one person's opinion and then the world knows it because that's how news moves and it's negative news. So people love it because we're human and it is what it is. Yeah. But 
just real quick on Kathleen Kennedy and the idea that she doesn't know what she's doing, that she's unfit to lead Lucasfilm, whatever. I assembled this the other day because I wrote this in a comment. I got involved again. <laughs> here's, here's just a greatest hits of her career leading up to the Disney acquisition. Associate producer, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Poltergeist, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Producer, E.T., The Color Purple, Hook, Jurassic Park 1 and 3, The Sixth Sense, AI, Artificial Intelligence, Munich, War of the Worlds, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Lincoln. Executive producer, Gremlins 1 and 2, Young Sherlock Holmes, Back to the Future 1 through 3, The Goonies, American Tale, Batteries Not Included, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Cape Fear, Schindler's List, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Signs, Indiana Jones, and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Don't judge based on that last one. <laughs> but, dude, like, she couldn't possibly know what she's doing? Yeah. What? To me, it just boils down to, like I said before, she's not George. Yeah. And, unfortunately, she's a she. So, yeah. all those idiots, that's also low-hanging fruit for a lot of these people. Yeah, absolutely. It's obnoxious. <laughs> and also, just a, like a fundamental misunderstanding or just lack of knowledge about how filmmaking works, how the process works logistically in terms of reshoots and rewrites. Every single movie, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, every single movie, period, has rewrites and reshoots. Mm-hmm. Directors get axed, writers get axed, people get replaced all the time on every single movie. But not every single movie has billions of obsessed fans <laughs> obsessing over it at all times, making uh, a mountain out of, what's the expression? Mountain out of a molehill? Molehill. Yeah. With every little tidbit. So we perceive it differently. So that is what it is. And then... People don't understand that it can be a business and also a passion project for everyone involved. There's this whole thing about, well, you know, it wasn't going to make Disney enough money or this was a flop or this or that. Yes, of course. Like every movie you've ever watched, including the original trilogy and the prequels, there are checks and balances. There are things they have to weigh out in order to make the shit happen or not. But that doesn't mean that it's just a straight cash grab and that no one gives a shit. everyone who's working on star Wars right now cares about this more than anything they've ever worked on. I would venture to say like they're all fans. We're sitting here a little bit sidebarring and on a tangent right now. We're (laughs) supposed to be talking about things that we love. And you know what I love (laughs) is the access that some of these behind the scenes featurettes, whether it's Mando, like the gallery episodes, the director and the Jedi, but to touch on your point that these people care and it's not just a paycheck, like these people care. And that is such a beautiful thing that we have, you know, when Harry Potter got made or whatever, that was like pretty soon after those books were out, you know, Mm -hmm. we have filmmakers and writers and directors and all of these people grew up with something that with Star Wars that they care about and they get to make it now. Like that's a beautiful thing. And that's kind of like, I don't know any other instances off the top of my head where that could actually be a thing, whether, I mean, maybe like James Bond or something, but I don't think James Bond changed pop culture the way that Star Wars has, you know? So it's such a a bigger, like, cross to bear, I feel like. And and it's just great to have that access of a roundtable of all those directors who did season one of Mandalorian to see what they say and how they feel. and, and, And it's so great. Instead of having, like... Whenever you hear George speak, it is a little bit more analytical and like it's very fact based because he created it all. But then you have these people who all had the same reactions we did. And maybe it's the reason they got into writing or directing or filmmaking in general. It's a beautiful thing. That's part of what makes Star Wars so special is at this point, the people making it grew up with it and it does mean something to them. And that's just not common. 
Yeah, what what are the things that Kathleen Kennedy said around the time of the Last Jedi? Maybe it was even in the Last Jedi uh, documentary, the Director of the Jedi, which yeah, is amazing. Is you know you got to find these creators and they're telling Star Wars stories, but they got to have themselves in it. And and go back to George, like this, there's a debate of nostalgia that always pops up in IP. Uh, we at Force Center uh, reject the idea that that Star Wars is uh, overwhelmed by nostalgia. We believe it was baked into Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars was George Lucas going all those things that I loved as a 12 year old. I'm going to put into a movie because I couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon mm-hmm. because this is what I love. It's a personal story for him that he wanted to just repackage as this modern myth. Uh, so therefore. Or, uh, Star Wars is about the new and it's about the old and how it, how they interact and 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 so I love seeing you talk about the the roundtable of the directors Deborah Chow what's she going to do with Kenobi because uh, what she brought to Mando was her own personal view on this stuff and it all goes into one thing and this goes to, to, to Adam what you were saying about why we're passionate and there's some stuff and and there's some beliefs and, and we can get into those fun things uh, but. You know, every director brings up, sorry, Rick Famuyiwa brings his uh, totally different perspective, but also someone who was inspired by Star Wars in 77. That's what I love. And, and, and when I think when that's present there, man, that's what we really connect to over and over and over again. How can you not, you know? Mm-hmm. One of the things I always say, if you really just listen to these people and try to share in your love of Star Wars rather than putting up the wall that ironically we've created, that we've worsened the idea of us and them in this now more connected than ever world with the internet. It's, it's just so ironic how we, we can get, we can access all of this stuff in a second. And for me, here's what unlocked it. I was pretty bummed about the last Jedi, but I ultimately said, okay, I'm going to find things I love in this film because it was made by someone who loves star Wars as much as me, if not more. So I forced myself to watch that documentary and I, I could not bring myself to be bummed anymore. It's like part of me just wanted to still be disgruntled, and, but I couldn't because I saw how much Ryan Johnson loved it. I saw how much of his heart and hard work he put into it, how much they had to trim the thing back because he would have made a four-hour movie if he could have. And I was like, damn, I'm an asshole. <laughs> this is amazing. It, this is pure is what it came down to. And, mm-hmm. and I, I had to have this virtual sort of exchange with this creator by watching this documentary to really unlock that in myself. And once I did, it took my fandom and my experience to a whole new, better level. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I guess it just comes down to like personality type too, because I think that coming off of Force Awakens, you know, Force Awakens was a pivotal point in my life, let alone my Star Wars fandom, you know, like I love when any sort of nostalgic thing comes back into my life and I have a that sense of pure joy, you know, and, and Force Awakens was that. But the curse of The Force Awakens was coming out in an age where punditry and podcasting and YouTube, just two solid years of people wondering who Snoke was or who Ray was or whatever. And then when all of that got thrown over the shoulder of Luke with that lightsaber, immediately it was like an uphill battle for most people. But I think it's a personality thing to be like, well, I love Star Wars, so let's dig deeper and figure out what's going on here. You know, I had an absolute panic attack after the first time I saw The Last Jedi, (laughs) straight up panic attack being like, what? What just happened? Why? Like nothing came even close to what I talked about with my friends for two years. I had an absolute panic attack. I went back the next morning at like 9 a.m. was the first viewing and saw it and like calmly watched it and... You know, and it's still not perfect, but it's great. It's like 80% of the best Star Wars movie there is. There's like 20% of not stuff I don't care for, but like 80% of that movie is some of the best Star Wars that there is. So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it comes back to this. I mean, guess what we're trying to figure out here is why do we care? But the main part of that sentence is that, I mean, guess that we do care. So it's like you have to talk yourself into some things here and there, not in a bad way. You have to, it's, it's not talking yourself into it, it's understanding. You know, it's understanding, it's growing yourself. It's understanding the writer, director's intention. And that also that letting go like a Jedi of it's you're not in control. You know, the things that you thought like anyone complaining about any new force power, it's the lamest thing to complain about a force power. <laughs> like, so you just want the force to be that you could grab stuff from across the room. That's what you want when you're a kid. You could mess with weak minded people's minds. Whatever they made when I was a kid, that's it. It stops <laughs> yeah. there, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's like the force is not that cool. The force is cool when you could heal people and, uh, you know, like, or the force is different for different people. It's like, why? Why not? You have better special effects now. Let's make the force grow into this huge thing, you know, and and some of the stuff in the High Republic where across the whole galaxy, the Jedi are like kind of convening to do some really awesome stuff. It's like, yeah. I mean, technically that's before, yeah. obviously. So it's like, it just doesn't make sense to me that like there's a line in the sand for some people and they're just such like, I love Star Wars, but only the, the original three. It's like, well, I don't think you like Star Wars. Then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think you get to say that. <laughs> You, you, you both are touching on great stuff here, uh, and we're, we're trying to analyze why and, and, and how – and the pathway to, to that answer I think begins with a lot of things you're, you're all talking about. Uh, I, I – being on side of the, the kind of the movie press side for a couple of years, I, like I was at the last Jedi World premiere, and I can guarantee you a lot of people sat there like you, Adam, going, what just happened? Like you, Nick, what just happened? And that's okay because we're in this era of you got to tweet out your opinions, mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. that's your job. But I used to hate a Collider when we, we would uh, you know watch a show or a movie and rush into the studio to do our our extensive breakdown and review it's like i haven't sat with it let me sit with yeah. it yeah. you know I, I was i was like okay luke's gone luke's gone what does that mean to me and i, I had to take a day i had to take a, t- a couple uh days actually to my next viewing to be like well what, what would i have wanted did i want him to go out in a, in a blaze of glory in an x-wing or does this this thing of peace and purpose and letting go does that that more befitting the character and i ended up landing on that and and one of the reasons there's there's two things that force center we talk about a lot is speculate responsibly Without a doubt, speculation is key, uh, and it fuels a lot of the fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then letting go, like you, you echoed there, Nick, of, of letting go, and that, and I it happened big in Last Jedi. Clearly, it happened again with Rise of Skywalker, and a lot of the people that I used to see defending Last Jedi refused to let go by the time Rise of Skywalker came mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and blocked their own path. But the other big thing for me is Star Wars wants you to ask why. It does not want you to ask how. It does not want you to ask what. Those come later. Why? Why is that in the story? Why is that there? And what is do to serve the theme and the story. And that even comes with some nostalgia moments. There's some fun. Panda Baba and Dr. Everson showing up in Rogue One, that's a nostalgia pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other things that show up uh, aren't the same. Uh, even in, uh, I reject a lot of the things about Bad Batch uh, and Mando season two where characters show up and, and, and you know them and it's, uh, it makes the world so small. If it's done wrong, maybe. Mm-hmm. But those characters are there to serve Din Djarin. They're there to serve the Bad Batch. What are they doing? And, and Star Wars wants you to ask that question of why. And once you start asking why, I think you connect to joy. You mm-hmm. start finding it there. And maybe you don't always agree about everything like you just said, Nick. All right, yeah, 80% of uh, Last Jedi is great for you, 20% not so much. That's most Star Wars movies, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> even sometimes in Empire, I'm like, all right, they're inside the uh, asteroid. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and that's like 1% of that movie. So anyways, that's where a lot of the joy starts, mm-hmm. is, is connecting with what's there, finding what's there, and, and, and just asking why is that there and what do I feel about that? Yeah. And I think that leads to a lot of joy. I think... If, if I can take a shot at answering, I won't take a shot at answering, but one thing that I know for sure makes us care so much is this is something we most of us love more than almost anything else. 
I'm not talking about love more than your parents or your kids or your spouse or whatever. I'm talking about in life, the thing that you connect with, the thing that you identify with. If it's challenged or you feel like, you know, maybe someone else interprets it differently and they they kind of kick your expectations in the wrong direction, you're going to have a reaction to that. And like you said, Ken, the, the, the tendency now is to just go put all your opinions out on the internet, not thinking about the fact that the internet is forever and everything on it can be seen by anyone. So it removes the human connection and just puts up this big display of whatever bullshit you vomit out into the universe. It's almost like it's like being in a, in a fight with a family member or a spouse or something. You both care so much about the whole thing. You're so connected. It's such a huge part of your life that when you fight, you fight the worst. Like the worst fights I've had in my life are with the people who are closest to me. <laughs> like th- there was this terrible person at the mall today who was being an absolute hose beast from hell <laughs> that I would have loved to punch. But that was nothing compared to the kind of things I've gotten into with my, my wife or my band members or my sister or whatever, or my parents, because the stakes are different. The stakes are so high when it's something like this. And we can't help but react emotionally. Yeah, I, I, look, I think so. The, the positive spin on all, even the internet chatter, is it comes from a place of passion. You mm-hmm. hope, at least when it's done in good faith. Yeah. Uh, your music. I, I, I've only worked in rock radio. You guys out there playing the music, but if you, you probably face that phenomenon of every time you release a new album or a new song, it's so not familiar with your fans that they might think, well, the last one was better. Mm-hmm. Only because they haven't lived with the new one for a while. Totally. Right. Uh, that's just what our natural tendency to fight change and, and, and to not connect with something that's, that's brand new. And I think Star Wars in the modern era has faced that more than anything. Starting Force Awakens, which was generally well-received. Obviously, mm-hmm. that went over pretty well. Uh, but even then, you know, it, it started to challenge prequels. <laughs> I was there. I remember the prequel wars, you know. <laughs> we were there. Uh, we're like, that's not my Star Wars. And that's, that's a natural tendency. It's a natural tendency. I just don't like it to, to block joy. But uh, anyways, I know we probably just want to talk specific joy moments too, but it's fun to analyze how, what can lead you to more Star Wars. Mm-hmm. There's something that I started realizing the past two years, I guess, when I started watching the Clone Wars and Rebels and getting into things other than just the live action original trilogy prequels and, and so on. And it completely opened up my experience. I started to realize there is no one kind of Star Wars. There is no true sort of like cultural canon of what is the real Star Wars, what was George's vision or whatever the argument is, and then the other. It's all Star Wars. It's such a big universe. You're going to tell you, the larger you, the the royal we are going to tell these stories in different ways. But it's still all Star Wars. Like some of the stuff in Visions, the episode that uh, Tatooine Rhapsody that Nick loves. That's my favorite. It made me cringe so hard. (laughs) That's my favorite one. It was so weird to me and unfamiliar. And I also have a weird thing with watching depictions of musicians on screen. I, I'm, I'm just weird about it. <laughs> I, I, I'm a stand-up comic. I hate anything that's about stand-up comedy. That's <laughs> yeah, dude, is it? It's like so tough. <laughs> like that's not. They wouldn't say that. That's not how you say it. Yeah. You know. So I had a tough time, but I just stepped back and I said, "Well, there's no reason to think that this wouldn't go down exactly like this in this giant universe. What is there to be bummed about?" And I was fine. And watching something like The Clone Wars from the beginning where it was pretty cool, but, you know, kind of for kids, to like this epic emotional journey of season seven, even resistance, you know, it's just all these different ways to tell stories in this giant universe. And once you realize that not everything is going to be painted in the, with the same exact emotional palette that the originals did for you, 
it's just all cool. It's just all awesome. Yeah. And it helps you let go. I think if you just start to watch it for what it is. Yeah. It's like a, it's a blessing and a curse. Cause I mean, some people yeah. just can't, you know, yeah. the, the same people who complain without even knowing really, you know, like some, th- this has such a deeper problem here of people like not even knowing themselves and what they like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, no self-awareness. Yeah. The people who don't like anything other than the originals, if they got just more ripoffs of the originals, they would somehow hate those too, oh, you know, for sure. because yeah. they're unhappy <laughs> yeah. because they're, they don't have that self-awareness of why they like something. So yeah. that's, it's just a lose-lose with a portion of these people here. And you see that parallel with music for sure. If any of us just remade our first album, it would be boring. Mm-hmm. It would be completely boring. You have to evolve. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it just gets tired and you stop caring. It's, it's diminishing returns. That's, I use that for sure. phrase a lot. There has to be specifically in music, you know, one thing, like we never lose our sound, but we just try to make what our sound is bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, like we stick to what we like. The easiest thing in the world would be for us to just listen to what's huge on the radio and write an album like that. That's easy. The harder part, the harder thing to do is to stay who we are and expand that in a seamless way. That's harder to do. So anytime I, you know, bands go from being like hardcore bands to shoegaze bands and everyone's like, oh, it's so cool. I'm like, that's easy. That's easy to do. Stop <laughs> playing hardcore and write a shoegaze album. That's so easy. <laughs> Write a hardcore album that yeah. somehow like is melodic in a way a shoegaze. Like figure that out. Unlock that riddle and you'll be way more popular. You'll be the next Nirvana. You know, like right. you'll you'll be groundbreaking. But you can't do it's it's hard to do. It's easier to just fully turn the corner and do something else. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I want to talk about something kind of specific and see if we can get down to some kind of answer because this is continuously a a topic of conversation. I think it's going to be more and more as we get all this new Star Wars content, as we get further into this new golden age. The fans of the EU that are just furious with the idea of, number one, that all becoming legends and having a new canon with the, the Disney acquisition as the line of demarcation between the two, talking about how the EU depiction was much better and the fact that they've introduced so-and-so new characters, but we still, we still don't have Revan on screen or this or that. Why are they so mad? <laughs> how would you respond to a fan who, who's saying these kind of things, feeling these kind of things and just furious? <laughs> I mean, my, mine is pretty st- a stark answer. And in, in I don't know any actual franchise or anything that's like multiple books first before it was on tv like i just don't know any franchises ip whatever whatever you want to say where the book is actually the anchor of it all even after movies come out you know it's like the the screen is the screen you know books have been around way longer but like to me movies might not be as good as the books but you still have the books to like sustain things but 
there's no book I don't think out there like book franchise. I'm stumbling on words here. That is only a book that is like hugely popular and that never went to the screen. So like to me, right, like yeah. if you're a reader, that's amazing. But you have to have a sense of again self awareness to know that like you're talking about a book. Books like it's a completely different medium. It's something you do on a personal level. You don't do them like maybe you have book clubs. Uh, you know, but like movies or theaters and then they spark some different creativity than books do. And like, there's just nothing to me that I could think of. And I'm not sure if it exists and maybe it does, but like, there's no book franchise again, for lack of a better term that stayed that way, that changed the world as much as a movie has. And to me, it's more about being realistic. Like, did you really think that heir to the empire was where they were going to go with once Disney, Disney bought them being like, Oh, there's this Timothy Zahn book. Let's, let's make this movie. It's like, no, they want to, they want to recreate the excitement of the original trilogy. They don't want to just transcribe a book, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I never went through that thought process. So sorry if it was a little stumbly, but (laughs) to me, it's just like, I, the goal I feel like of my lifetime for someone, for an author would be to have a series or like a TV series or a movie franchise or something come out of your book. So to me, it's just like not realistic for, you know, an EU book to be the the be all end all of a character or a storyline or something like that just doesn't seem realistic. So to those people, I would just say like, I'm sorry you feel that way, but like your expectations are just not correct. (laughs) Unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that that's fair in a lot of ways. It's 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 a dicey subject because, uh, like I said, I've I've been open on other shows and stuff that I, EU just didn't. I didn't gravitate to it. I didn't connect with it. I felt a lot of. I, I think Star Wars at its core always has to be about hope versus fear or finding hope within fear. That's that's the the big kind of uh, DNA of Star Wars, and a lot of that wasn't. Uh, I didn't think it was as present in, in, in the EU stuff that was coming out. But at the same time, it's still there and it's still there for you if you're moved by it. And I completely understand. Right? I mean, that's a lot of. A lot of investment. A lot of times, I got I got friends with all those bookshelves, <laughs> Tales from Jabba's Palace, Tales, and, and and suddenly you get this sense of, well, this doesn't matter. It's like, no, it, it does still matter. Those stories can still move mm-hmm. you. Uh, and then the flip side is, I, I can get kind of grumpy about EU. Uh, for every cool one thing, there's ten things I look at and go, really? You <laughs> yeah. want Luke yeah. and you want Chewie to get crushed by the moon? All those kind of examples that are always in conversations. But I have to be careful with that because guess guess what? That's me holding on to it. And I always look for that. Like I, I'm not a huge fan of the character of Mara Jade. I really just don't think it's a great character. However, I, I used to say that more openly and more freely. And then I realized, well, what, what if what if what if I'm a, a young girl who comes of age in the '90s and and connects to Mara Jade? And by the way, you don't just have to be a a girl that connects tomorrow, Jade, but th- let's say you are. And the only character you've had prior to that is Princess Leia, a great one. Mon Mothma, Aunt Peru, there's not a lot to choose from. Mm-hmm. And Mara Jade comes along, that is going to be your Star Wars. That is So I have to let go of my feelings towards that and l- allow that to exist alongside this stuff. But it's it's tough. I, I get it. And I remember I was in a bar one time uh, with my friend, uh, another a musician, Van William, and uh, he's a big Star Wars fan. And we were talking about Star Wars in this bar, and we heard on another table a group of guys, st- and one of them was like, "Disney's so stupid. They got all these stories with Luke, and they didn't even pick any of these books from the '90s." And it's like, <laughs> I guess that's an opinion, but they Mark Hamill was 64 yeah, at yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't do those stories. They had that, and then they they needed that blank slate. Yeah. And the final thing, and I and it's never. It never works in an argument or even a discussion that you want to keep friendly, Adam, is this idea of George Lucas didn't care about his own canon. Yeah. He he, he did never, never wanted canon yeah. to get in the way. Absolutely. And that includes the EU stuff. Things he liked, yeah, obviously he threw it in there, but 
You know, it's like you got that story. He comes up to Dave Filoni one day and goes, guess what? Darth Maul's coming back. Figure it out. Yeah. Right. So it's what's sometimes best for the stories. It's hard, though. And I get the passion. Mm-hmm. I get the passion. I, I don't want to go to gloves uh, with an EU fan because they yeah. have a lot of passion for that stuff. I get it. Yeah. And it's just, again, it goes back to passion and being self-aware. It's like I'm passionate mm-hmm. about the New York Rangers. But when they're not playing well and they lose a game, I'm like, well, they didn't play well. End of story. You know, it's like, and then it almost makes it more acceptable. Sorry for the sports, Adam. But uh, what, which sport are you talking about now? Hockey, hockey. Sorry. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So cool, cool. on the other end of the spectrum, when they play really well and lose, I'm like, well, they played well. So that was good. That's a good step in the right direction. You know, they're a young team. Cool. But it, it, that has so much to do with like how I view the sport. I watch it for that ultimate once or twice in a lifetime, if I'm lucky, moment where my team is the best one and it comes back to this like, searching for joy thing, you know, and it comes back to this every couple of years we get a Star Wars movie and having that communal joy with people in a theater and then talking about it with your friends. And that's the point of life that I'm at right now. It's like, that's what I'm searching for. Like 2019 Star Wars celebration being, I wasn't even in like the convention center watching the trailer. I was just in like the main floor where they were showing the trailer also. I still go back and like I filmed just the floor of people reacting and listening Mm. and like the, you could hear a pin drop and then like people cheering and just inadvertently like the camera wound up on like somebody who was like way more like physically emotional than I was. And like, it gives me chills when I watch that. And it's like, that's what I'm looking for. And like, I don't think it's impossible for Star Wars to give us more of that. It's, I'm just waiting and hopefully next year is the beginning of that, of getting more of it because I think that, I think we all deserve it. (laughs) I think we all deserve more moments like that, which ultimately is like, I think I said it last week on the pod. I'm like, I think Star Wars could do itself a service. Lucasfilm and Disney could do itself a service if they figure out a more continuous stream of content to the point where leakers and just detractors and clickbait people, they have less to look for behind the scenes because there's actual more content and they could report on the content instead of looking for other news stories, basically. So I'm, I'm hoping that that becomes a thing eventually because I think it'll quell a lot of the negativity around it if there's actually just more information as opposed to people making up information or spinning information in order to get clicks. So yeah. 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 There's there's nothing greater than that moment before a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away fades away and you're about to get new Star yeah. Wars. There's nothing mm-hmm. greater than that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna yeah. be great on December twenty ninth, the book of Boba Fett's gonna be great for Kenobi. I cannot wait for Andor. Cannot wait for Acolyte. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I can't wait for Acolyte, a series I know almost nothing about is because Leslie Headland in every interview is like, what's my favorite Star Wars? All of it. Because yeah. I love to engage with all parts of Star Wars. Uh, but I, uh, Nick, your story about uh, the Star Wars celebration, I, I was fortunate enough to be in the panel that day mm-hmm. and see it in a great moment. But the next day, and you know, by then already speculations begun everything, <laughs> but the next day I was on the floor and they replayed the trailer and something similar happened. And I was blown away by everyone stopped what they were doing in that large convention yep. center, that large floor to watch this trailer. I started bawling, not even because of the trailer, because I just felt this joy. And, and, and those nerd chills come up <laughs> because I, I was a kid alone on a playground with no friends dreaming about flying a Y-Wing. And here I am surrounded by everyone who probably experienced the same thing. And that is at the center of Star Wars. And that's that feeling we all are searching for. And we get. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say one more thing about uh, the EU before we kind of wind this down. The first thing that comes to mind when somebody starts to get kind of worked up about the new characters they're choosing and the ones that they are choosing, in their opinion, choosing not to focus on and erasing, you know, into Legends history. I just think... 
slow down, man. <laughs> just slow down. Everything in time, ultimately. They're really not doing anything different with the EU versus the on-screen canon, new canon, than Marvel's doing with the 70 years of Marvel history and the MCU. Nothing about the MCU is exactly as it was taken straight off the page. Nothing. So why would we expect that from Star Wars, which is a universe that started on screen? So like the expectations are completely backwards. 100%. I get it. You love those characters. I would love to see XYZ stories on screen. I read and got really into one book during the prequel era that happened immediately after episode three, talking about Anakin's experience becoming Vader. It was incredible. I loved it. But I don't expect that to be on screen exactly how it was written in this Kenobi series. And I won't care because ultimately the screen is the canon. That's the way it's always been. Mm -hmm. And they're going to take things. They're going to interpret them. We're going to get those characters. We're going to get someone like Revan on screen eventually. It's going to be okay. We just have to manage our expectations. And also remember that you can continue to enjoy that as legends. And if you think about it in a universe this big... That very well could have actually happened that way, but it's a legend. Think about the rumor mill we're talking about right now. Think about that on a galactic scale. Yeah, maybe everything we're seeing on screen in your headcanon is all made up bullshit, and the legends is really what happened. And you can live that way. Cool. Just don't be an asshole to other people about those opinions. Just let everyone enjoy it. Great. Have fun. Yeah. Again, why why are you here? Why do you care so much? You know, like that's what we're trying to get to the bottom of. It's like if you care so much, then why are you trying to like break it down? Because ultimately you're breaking down the content, but then also you're you're breeding negativity into the fan base and that's also mm-hmm. that's not productive. So like do you love it? <laughs> I think we're getting to a common thing here. I think Star Wars has a people problem, not a Star Wars problem. <laughs> yeah, we have a bad people problem. It's a really <laughs> toxic fandom for something that's about hope and family and all of this great stuff. We sure do have one of the most toxic fandoms, period. Mm-hmm. We should fix that. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, 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 it upset me more during the Rise of Skywalker cycle than the Last Jedi cycle because then in the, in the Last Jedi cycle, it seemed like... Uh, it was clear who was on the other side and it wasn't about opinions about the movies, just uh, certain agendas and things mm. they were trying to do to get out on, on the YouTube stuff and everything. The Rise of Skywalker, I, I quite frankly lost, watch, watch a lot of friends become the very thing they swore to defend Star Wars against. <laughs> and it's tough. It's tough to watch because it becomes so personal. Mm. Um, it isn't about what's necessarily on the screen. It's what they wanted. And, 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 it's, and it was a cycle that I was disappointed to see kind of repeat in that way, which is why you just kind of go into your, your little bubbles. You go into a nice show like this you go to the discord where you can not just dis- blindly celebrate everything but just really kind of feel that joy and connect with what's there mm-hmm. I, that's what i love doing yeah because i i think that as adults who again we're here because we love it i mean we have to be critical of some things you know but it's just all about how you approach it and i don't think there's any there hasn't been anything that disney's done that actually offended or challenged my love of star wars there were certain things i just didn't like as much and yeah, there might be a couple of things that I would have preferred, but what's the point of of having a preference of something I don't have control over, you know? Like, it's not going to ultimately affect why I'm here, which is the overall universe, the overall story that's been 40 years in the making, that's going to continue to grow, and I'm looking forward to the day for feeling nostalgic about Ray and Finn. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. right now they could show a 
that moment that you say, Ken, of like a long time ago, a galaxy far, far away in a trailer with Ray being the first person, I would actually feel that right now, I think. I would Same. feel nostalgic already. Same. Um, yeah. But one day it'll happen and it's it, that'll be a beautiful thing. And they'll usher in new people, you know, like new characters. And it'll be it'll be a great thing. Generations will go on. The original trilogy generation would have killed Star Wars had they the chance to in the prequel era. And the prequel generation fans said, we're going to keep this going. Yeah. And I yep. think that cycle will go again with the sequel mm-hmm. era. So to wrap it up, and feel free to add to this, I would say just because you're passionate about Star Wars doesn't mean you own it. We all love it in different ways. Manage your expectations. Raise a Skywalker. The Disney content is canon. Just <laughs> let go and have fun. That's so much more fun. We got out of the yeah. Skywalker saga with a new Skywalker. That's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yo, and if you don't believe Ray is a Skywalker, you need to go find an adopted person and try to plead that case to them and watch them try to punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what we say a lot of Force Center is engage with the story that's presented to you. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's our, our big our, our big theme as we dive into the themes of Star Wars. And, and I, I do believe there's uh, – we always say, hey, look, there's uh, no right or wrong way to watch Star Wars unless you're rooting for Palpatine. That might be the only <laughs> wrong way. We, yeah. we always preach that because it's just – I think you'll be rewarded by what's there for you, what connects with you, and focus on that and build from there. Awesome. Ken, you want to um, plug anything that you have coming up right now? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me. Uh, and I know uh, Nick uh, off air, we were, you're just like, hey, sorry for the last minute invite. It's Star Wars, and I'm always ready to talk okay. Star Wars. And I love what you're all doing here, and it's great. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at my website, KenNapsock.com, KenNapsock everywhere. I do have a new music show I just started uh, called Pop Rock and Radio Mixcloud. My, my career actually started in rock radio in the 90s. I'm having fun kind of returning to that joy. And then uh, for stand-up comedy, if you're out there in the D.C. area, I'm uh, doing four days uh, with my buddy Mark Ellis, also a great Star Wars fan, uh, out there in Washington, D.C. Uh, in mid-December. So we're going to reenact our favorite scenes from Die Hard 2 in the snow. Nice. Wow. That's amazing. Nice. <laughs> if you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can follow us at ThankTheMakerPod on Instagram, at ThankTheMaker on Twitter. All of my stuff is at Adam the Skull. And I'm at Nick Bayside on Twitter and Instagram and episode 22 of the Radio Radio Show just came out a couple days ago and it's a doozy. I saw 11 bands last week. I went to four shows. I'm exhausted. I'm still exhausted, but I'm playing some of the bands that I saw last week. If you want more Star Wars content from folks like us and people who associate with us and maybe people you've heard on this podcast, you can check out Armor Party. It's a podcast about costuming hosted by our buddy Mike Forrester, owner and founder of Hondo Supply. It's dope. He's got some amazing guests lately and some, uh, I mean, since day one, he's been crushing it. It's dope. If you're making a costume, you should listen to this podcast. If you don't, you're probably blowing it. Maybe. Maybe you're doing a good job, but you should listen anyway. It's at Armor Party Show on Instagram. You can follow at Hondo Supply on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want Thank the Maker merch, thankthemakermerch.com is where you can go to get that. We've got some new designs. Hopefully they're up by the time you're hearing this. Hopefully you're getting some like uh, Black Friday deals and things like that. If not, we have blown it. Regardless, there's still some shirts on there and you should buy them. And if you want to support the podcast directly, you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod to do that. For as little as three bucks a month, you can get access to the Discord server. And up to the top level, you can hang out with us like patrons are right now, who we love and we're thanking right now in this sentence. You can listen to us record this podcast and fumble and hear all the pre and post stuff. And it's great. And we make fools of ourselves and we love you. Ken, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Ken. Uh, Thank you all. Thank you. And until next time, may the force be with you. 